Dotnet Rocks episode 625 with guest Gus Issa. Recorded live Tuesday, December 21st, 2010. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here's Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. Hey, man. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm well. Going to have some fun today, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. Anytime we get to geek out with stuff that's fun to program, uh, man, it's just uh, a good thing. So it's getting towards the end of the year, and we were talking before uh, before we started recording about an end-of-the-year.NET Rocks and yes. how much we'd like to bring back some old folks like Rory Blythe, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, I've been chatting with Rory on and off in Twitter, and, and he seems to be making happy noises about coming on a show, but I can't get him locked down for a time and... You know, we're running out of time. The year's almost over. We should get Rory and Mark Miller on, too. Maybe Mark Dunn. At the same time? At the same time, yeah. yeah that That's like a, an excess of co-hostery. Yeah, actually, you know, we could have a little eggnog and have a little Christmas party. <laughs> Record it, you know? A little yeah, holiday party. Yeah, on different party. coasts. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's uh, get started right away with Better No Framework. And, of course, this is the little segment I do where I shine a little light on a arcane corner of the .NET framework in hopes that over time some of this stuff might be interesting to you and you'll go check it out on your own. Awesome. So what so, do you got? So today I'm going to talk about something that's in WPF. Now, I, I took a good look around to see if there's any Silverlight support for it, but I don't think there is. And if I'm wrong about that, uh, please let me know. But it says... In terms of uh, platforms that it's supported in .NET 4, 3.5, and 3.0, and in the .NET Framework Client Profile 4 and 3.5 SP1. I'm talking about the uh, Week Event Manager class. Oh, yeah. So it's a base class for the event manager that's used in the Week Event Pattern. And uh, it adds and removes listeners for events that also use the pattern. So what is the Week Event Pattern, you say? Mm-hmm. And I'm reading right from the remarks. You typically use the weak event pattern, and that's W-E-A-K, when the event source has an object lifetime that is independent of the event listeners. Using the central event dispatching capability of a weak event manager allows the listener's handles to be garbage collected even if the source object persists. By contrast, a regular event hookup uh, causes the potentially disconnected source to hold a reference to the listeners. This prevents the receiver from being garbage collected in a timely fashion. One common situation where the lifetime relationships between sources and listeners should use uh, the weak event pattern is the handling of update events coming from sources for data bindings. Oh, okay. The weak event pattern can also be used for callbacks and regular events. So in those situations where you have objects that are coming in and out of existence and you have... Uh, listeners coming in and out of existence, it might be a good idea to, to look into the weak event manager. 
And this is one of those situations where uh, I, I've heard it described as this is the, a pattern for control developers where you don't necessarily know when you're going to be brought in yeah. and when you're going to be dropped. And, and you could lead, it can lead to memory leaks. And so sure. this is just a way to be sure to free up memory. Sure. So there it is. It's in uh, system.windows, system.windows.weekeventmanager class. Richard, who's talking to us? Uh, let me see here. Oh, you like this one. Uh, well, of course, very topical. This is from Mark Stafford. Hi, guys. I've been listening intently to the arguments for and against the long-term survival of Silverlight when compared to HTML5 and thinking, what about the trade-off between cost and reach? If you had to decide between a project with 80% of the reach or a project with 50% of the cost, which would you choose? Mm. I think that that will be a decision facing us in the near future. It also brings up another question about the traditional project management triangle composed of time, cost, and quality. Mm. Does a fourth dimension need to be the added representation of reach? Yeah. At any rate, it looks like Microsoft isn't missing a step. They've announced that your next car might be running Silverlight as well. And he provided a link, which unfortunately is no longer around, about uh, M Silverlight showing up in the Nissan Leaf, yeah. which is the little... In, uh, electric car that Nissan's making, which mm -hmm. is really kind of cool. It's interesting. Love the show. Thanks from Mark Stafford, Salt Lake City, Utah. Mark, thanks for your great email. Of course, uh, this fall we had all the adventures of Silverlight being dead, which uh, near as we could tell was premature by a <laughs> long way. Uh, we've also done a show now on the next version of Silverlight, so that's pretty much a moot issue. Uh, and But the, I like this email. Also, it ties into something I recently read on Sean Wildermuth's blog, where he described the situation in web development right now as being balkanized. Oh. And balkanization, of course, for those who don't go to Dictionary Common and look it up, is breaking us up into small groups that fight with each other yeah. rather than actually move things forward. And, uh, and I can't disagree with that. You know, the reality is HTML5 is going to come out in multiple incarnations in different browsers, and people aren't going to migrate to it quickly. Uh, and so there's going to be a huge fracturing of the web development market. In some ways, Silverlight really simplifies that. Yep. Uh, but I think the real strength of Silverlight is this idea that one language, one basic set of development techniques that work desktop, web, and phone. Yep. But again, with a restricted reach. They only reach so many different devices. So uh, on the other hand, I think the big battle here, when, you, when people actually start getting serious about making HTML5 apps... They're going to find out that it's still lowest common denominator. It's right. going to be the inferior client. Right. And let's face it, they're going to be ASP.NET apps. Yeah, yeah. Bit yep. the back end, without a doubt. Yep. So there you go. Either way, Mark, appreciate your email. A mug is on its way to you. Probably won't get you there before Christmas, but uh, consider it a New Year's present. And uh, thanks for sending out your message. And if you've got any questions, concerns, uh, thoughts and ideas you'd like to talk to us about, send us an email, .net rocks at franklins.net. And, you know, before we let this one go, let it be a lesson to you all, because it was to us, too, that, you know, when somebody runs around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you know, don't believe the hype. Just Look up. Just look up. Right, exactly. <laughs> just think about it yourself and don't take anybody else's word for what's really going on. Just think. Think, people. A little thinking. Well, I'm really excited today, Richard, because our guest is Gus Issa, and Gus is the founder and lead developer of GHI Electronics. And before getting into .NET Micro Framework, he conceived many devices to make developers' lives easier. After learning of .NET MF, or NetMF, he quickly became enthralled. 
For the last three years, he's been nurturing NetMF and uses it by developing hardware and software. He's a member of the NetMF core tech team and author of Beginner's Guide to NetMF, an open source ebook. For Gus, embedded system development is a passion. He believes in the countless solutions that electronics can provide. Combining experience, fun, and belief, he has always worked on sharing his knowledge. Welcome, Gus. Glad to be here with you guys. Well, we're glad to have you. You know, the, 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 the theme song to .NET Rocks is Toy Boy for a reason. I mean, we both Richard and I are, are hugely into gadgets and programming them, and Richard probably a little more than me. He, he's, he's a little more leans toward the hardware side. I just like stuff that I can noodle with. And with .NET Micro Framework, you have plenty of toys. Yeah, so let's start at the question, what is the .NET Micro Framework? Uh, .NET Micro Framework is a, the smallest version we have right now of .NET. It's small to the point it can run on a single little processor, an ARM processor or similar 32-bit processor. It, it doesn't even require an operating system. Now, that does not mean it wouldn't run on an operating, operating system. Uh, but in normal cases, uh, if you want to run .NET Micro Framework, you can just run it on the bare bone. And the micro framework revved with the regular framework, right? It's at 4.0 as well? Uh, no, the revision, it, it happened that now we, ha we are at version 4.1, but the, the revision of .NET micro framework, or NetMF for short, uh, the revision has nothing to do with the full framework. Full oh, okay, so they're actually on their own cycle, but happened to be at 4. And yes, it just happened to be at the same version, but it's not related. Does this have any relationship? And I know we've talked about it in the past, but it's been a while. Does NetMF have any relationship to Windows CE? Uh, no, Windows CE runs Compact Framework. Compact Framework requires an operating system, and it requires Windows CE to run. Now, Micro Framework is even smaller, and it doesn't require any uh, operating system. Now, it's it's it can run on few kilobytes of memory. Now, on Compact Framework, it uh, it needs a lot less resources than the full framework but you still need a few megabytes of RAM. So this is all about embedded uh, programming. What, um, what, is, what are we actually doing there in the .NET Micro Framework? Is it, is it sort of virtualizing the processor? Is it its own little operating system? What, what, you know, what exactly does it do, and how, how specific is it to a processor? Okay. Um, micro Framework sits in a place that is really unique, and I, I my own belief is, this is the best thing that has ever happened to embedded technologies. The way the, where microframework sits, it's right in between um, low-level processor programming and using a uh, a smaller operating system like uh, Windows CE. Now, w when you are sitting in this place, you are running on a smaller processor. Your cost on hardware is very low, but at the same time, you're using .NET. That means you're using Visual Studio, you have debugging, you have threading, you have all the nice uh, libraries that help you develop your application, but at the same time, you don't have to know, know every single detail about the uh, underlying processor. So, so there's a hardware abstraction layer? Yes. Okay. There is, under, under the uh, CLR, or it's called Tiny CLR, we have a uh, hardware ex abstraction layer, and... Micro Framework, which is developed by Microsoft, and it's open source, by the way, 
So anybody out there can go grab the sources and port to their own hardware. What they have to do is uh, write their own hardware abstraction layer to their processor or their system, and then MicroFramework will run on that processor. And it'll also run on a PC, right? Uh, yeah, it's actually, it already ships with an emulator on the PC, so you get to try before you do anything with real hardware. The emulator sets the environment so the application will run on the PC in .NET microframework. And there's a whole slew of hardware out there that it runs on, isn't there? Uh, yes, there's plenty of hardware out there from DHI, from other vendors, and uh, there's plenty of ports in the porting kit as well. I'm looking at the US Busy 144. That looks to be the tiniest thing I've ever seen that could run. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, single .NET. chip running uh, .NET micro framework. Um, well, let me go back a few years here and uh, uh, tell you what exactly happened. Uh, we started with um, micro framework. Well, first, GHI was looking into a solution. That's like five years ago. We were looking into creating a solution where uh, you are capable of doing a lot without knowing a lot. And this is a big challenge for uh, uh, deep embedded developers. If you're a .NET developer, everything comes to you somewhat easy because you have libraries for file systems, let's say. If you're using a small processor and you want to create a file, you really have to know everything about file system. You have to know uh, clusters and allocation units, and everything goes on with, with file systems. Now, we don't have to uh, know all this in .NET. Now, we had this idea that um, what if we uh, create something where um, we put all these libraries on a uh, processor or a board, and as a developer, you don't have to know so much about the file system, as, as an example, or graphics, but you can use all these libraries. So we started back then with uh, actually with Java, and we created a a device that has a Java virtual machine and has plenty of libraries on there. And then you can write your code in Java, and uh, that will, you will have access to all the nice libraries that are built in there. But the problem with Java was the lack of nice IDE and lack of uh, debugging. And we were looking at different options. Nothing, we didn't find any good enough option out there. We wanted to make something that is really amazing. And this is when we learned about .NET Micro Framework and seemed to be the answer for our needs and for a lot of developers' needs out there. It has a perfect idea. It's Visual Studio, just the same uh, tool you use to program BC, but your code can run on a small processor and it doesn't require operating system, doesn't require a whole lot of memory, so and processors processors are just getting more and more powerful, mm. and when they have more and more RAM, and everything seems to be seem to fit together very nicely. So we started getting into .NET Micro Framework, and we created a uh, a little module that's called that we called it Embedded Master, uh, because we thought it's the really the master of embedded devices. It just can't do it uh, really easily with .NET Micro Framework. Uh, we created that device, and from there. We had this idea that what if we can run this on a single chipset? It sounds crazy running a whole framework on a single chipset, but let's see. In, in theory, we know we could run it, but we're not sure would it be powerful enough to create a product, mm -hmm. enough to run a user application. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who want me to tell you about JustMock, 
Telerik's mocking tool. And unlike most mocking tools, JustMock can work with non-virtual methods, sealed classes, and static methods and classes, giving you complete control over your code. And of course, you get that great Telerik quality and support. You can read more and download the tool at Telerik.com slash JustMock. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. Now you're talking about GHI, and GHI creates software and hardware? Um, GHI, yes. We develop the hardware, and we develop the software that goes on the hardware. And the Correct. software uses the .NET Micro Framework? Uh, yes. So we took .NET Micro Framework that's developed by Microsoft, and we ported that to the hardware that we create. And on top of that, we added... Uh, we extended the framework with more libraries. Oh, okay. So there's features of your hardware that are not in NetMF, uh, that NetMF doesn't support out of the box, but you added support to them. Yes. This is one of the nice features of uh, .NET Micro Framework or NetMF. Um, it supports uh, users adding native calls in, uh, in within the CLR. So you can have wrappers in C-sharp, and they are accessed natively down in the uh, native layer where code is written usually in C or C++. So this one that Richard um, was talking about, USB-I-Z-I, USB-Z or Busy, this is uh, a, a, a piece of hardware that has a USB port on it. Is there USB support in, in NetMF? Oh, yeah, correct. So this is where we, we had this idea of running microframework on a single chipset, and we created USB-Easy. And USB-Easy basically is a single chip running a full .NET microframework, and it has plenty of extra features that are not standard in .NET microframework. So what are some of those features? Uh, USB uh, host is one of them. That's an important one where you can use um, a USB thumb drive. Uh, file system is supported in .NET Micro Framework uh, through SD cards. So what we did is add that over USB. Okay, so just uh, to refresh my memory, a USB host is something like a, a hub that you can plug a USB device into and work with it, right? Uh, a USB host is actually like a PC, and then you can plug hubs. Hubs is, is a way of uh, expanding the port into multiple ports. So the, the host is the main port, right. just like the one on your PC or a laptop. Right. And then where this is where you plug in a hub, and you can plug in USB devices or clients. Mm, right. Yeah. So um, this is one of the features. We also added uh, SQLite for users who needed databases. Uh, we added CAN for uh, users in industrial or automotive. They need uh, this is some sort of networking. Okay. okay. Uh, hold we on. Added Wi -Fi. Hold on. Hold on a sec. Can can you spell some of those things and tell us what they are? Uh, CAN is Controller Area Network. S uh, this is the bus that's used uh, in industrial applications. C-A-N, CAN? Yes. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the same way you have a uh, serial port on a PC, this is similar mm -hmm. uh, port that is usually used on industrial applications. It's immune to uh, high levels of noise. Okay. It's used uh, in automotive. Uh, we also added uh, uh, Wi-Fi. Okay. So you would have wireless networking support. Um, there's uh, on the USB device side, 
Uh, NetMF has some support to uh, USB device customization. Now I'm talking about the other side of the USB device. This is when you would connect the .NET microframework device to your PC. Now we right. created um, libraries to simplify this since many users don't know much about Windows drivers. They don't want to dig in there. We uh, created different drivers and different uh, libraries that convert your microframework device into a virtual mouse, let's say, or okay. a CDC device. A CDC device is basically a virtual COM port over USB. Yeah. So um, a little example here. Let's say uh, I'm going to create a data logger. I can easily do that with .NET microframework by taking any of the offers out there, uh, plug in an SD card for storage. You can put 2, 4, 16 gigabytes store all your data on an SD card, and then your this little logger running .NET can plug into a PC and show up on a PC like a card reader would, and then you can take the log files off the SD card. So you could, uh, if essentially, if you're building an electronics device, right, you could have um, built into it, you could write the data logger um for you know the the logger side of it, obviously you'd have to interact with your device to get that data. But on on the other side, you you essentially, like you say, can use USB keys or SD cards, which you can just put into your computer and use. But the whole idea is that you don't want to just you, you want to have some device that's portable, but also can be embedded in another piece of electronics gear, right? Yes. So it's it's about creating the end product. You're creating a very little. You think you have a very, very small PC in a little box. What right. can you do with that? Possibilities are really endless. So let's talk about some of those possibilities, because that's what really gets me going. What kinds of... I mean, when I think of a little handheld box that I want to take around, it's got to have some sensors. It's got to have a lot of good input possibilities. You know, something that something that can has a microphone and can listen, you know, or motion detector, uh, or do something else like that. And then since it's got Wi-Fi... When something happens, it can phone home and tell me about it. What are what are some of those sensors and input devices that you can connect to these things? Docket Micro Framework includes support for uh, buses that are used in embedded system like UART, which is uh, the basic of the serial port, mm -hmm. uh, SPI bus, and I squared SDI? C bus. SPI. Okay. And I squared C. I, I number two C. I squared C. Okay. These are the main buses that are used on embedded systems. Usually, when you would have a sensor, uh, it, if it's a digital sensor, then you would use one of these interfaces to read the, say, temperature okay. or um, acceleration, uh, gyroscope, uh, humidity sensor. You, you would use one of these interfaces so to these, read the values from the sensor. I see. So with UART and SDI and USB, you can pretty much plug in any off-the-shelf sensor. Um, well, an embedded system, it's not that simple. You don't have off-the-shelf sensors. There no. are sensors. There's a little wiring involved. So what we did, we tried to make this easier for software developers mm -hmm. who don't have a soldering iron and they hate seeing it. Uh, we created <laughs> these little sensors with standard sockets. So you can take the sensor and plug it right into the board. So you don't you have to know much about the hardware. Uh. You just plug it in, and we provide the source code to give you an example of how to read from that sensor. So, so Richard, this is like basic stamp for .NET. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's yeah, uh, um, can, in different form factors. 
Right. You know, that yeah. they, we can get to really, really small, not so small. You know, you pay. I suspect it costs more when you get really small. Yes. Right. So um, then last year we had this idea that when we started with .NET Microfirm, we're only working with companies and on pretty involved systems. So we had this idea. This is really easy to use. So how can we make this even easier? So anybody out there can have fun. You want to connect your Christmas tree to a .NET board and blink some lights and control this from your phone. Just think of anything you, you would like to accomplish. Now, how can we make this easier? So we looked out there at the, at the different options of what users use. Uh, we saw a basic uh, stamp, like you, um, you just pointed out. Uh, there's also Arduino. That's another popular board. And we looked at these boards, and we thought, well, the form factor is nice. People are using them. They are happy with what they have, but it does not run .NET. So what if we create a board that is in the same form factor that it's running .NET? And that's what we exactly did. We we have this one board. It's called the uh, Fez Domino. Fez, F-E-Z? Fez, F-E-Z? Yes, F-E-Z. Domino. Panda, and we have Fez Domino. Panda. These two boards have the same form factor as the Arduino board. The same pinout looks the same. So if you have sensors or if you have uh, any boards that plug into Arduino, you can take that board and plug it into the, uh, the .NET board, and now you're programming in .NET. You're not programming in C or C++ anymore. Oh, that's awesome. Another thing that it adds, uh, we also created a board that's called Panda. That is the same form factor as basic stamp too. So if you have a basic stamp robot, you can take the Fez Mini and plug Fez Mini in the, into the, uh, the, your robot that is originally was used with basic stamp. And now you can program your robot with, uh, C sharp. Wow. Awesome. So without the .NET micro, I mean, without the stuff that you guys do, the .NET Micro Framework isn't really for end users, is it? Without a company like you to sort of use it and implement it on hardware and then provide other hardware and, and, and embedded software along with it, this isn't something that uh, a, a .NET application developer can just download and start using, right? Yes. The only thing you can use without hardware is the emulator that emulator. already ships with the .NET Micro Framework. But there's so much you can do with the emulator because the idea from micro framework is you're accessing more hardware, you're accessing sensors. So you, you know, you're interacting with the out, outer world, not with the sensor, not with the, uh, with the software. So right. you would really need some hardware so you can use that in micro framework to its fullest. I get it. And we have links on the website, uh, .netrocks.com on this particular show to not only uh, the .NET Micro Framework homepage, but to the GHI Electronics homepage, too. And uh, do, uh, you, do you have, uh, are there competitors? I mean, uh, do you have other, are there other people that are doing what you do, what you guys do? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's, there's plenty there. If you go on netms.com, uh, it's the official website for Microsoft for .NET Micro Framework. It's in, uh, netms.com. Uh, they list the uh, different vendors. And they list different products on the website. So you can okay. see what different vendors offer for .NET Micro Framework. So there's another website at microsoft.com slash netmf that's 
different, but it looks like they're both portals for the .NET Micro Framework. Uh, yes, correct. Why, why are there two? But, Do you know? Um, the uh, the netms.com is a newer website. I'm not sure now where why there is two. We'd have to check with Microsoft and why. But the new the netms.com is a newer one, and it has uh, forums on it. So if somebody had questions, they can use the netms.com. I think it's uh, the the newer website since it has a forum and it's more community targeted website. Okay. So, Gus, can you talk about some of the projects you've done uh, with this kind of setup? Uh, .NET Micro Framework, the, the easiest one to talk about is a, the example, the data logger example, um, where it can be all, all kind of different data loggers, now from SD cards to USB uh, stick drives for data storage, and now to the endless sensors that you can connect to uh, .NET over the different buses that are available. Now, other examples uh, would be um, a vending machine. Um, we have a customer that works with those. Uh, basically, they have a smart vending machine. Um, you could just take a Windows CE PC and drop that in a vending machine and create a vending machine, but the idea of that micro framework, how can we make this on a smaller scale cheaper and maybe even easier since you don't have Everything in in uh, in that operating system, you only have fewer set of uh, libraries to work with. So this smart vending machine can have a touch screen, for example. Um, it can be network connected, uh, sends data logs of uh, inventory, um, uh, any error codes, troubleshooting codes, um, and you can even update the firmware remotely. At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only $6.95. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of happy .NET Rocks listeners. Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net. Most of these things have a, a, a TCP IP connection. They can log into the network and just be a, a device in your network. Yeah, uh, .NET Micro Framework includes a full-blown TCP IP stack. It's a standard socket, just like your program on your PC. And Is there a little web server we can run on there as well? Yeah, you can run server and clients. So the the web stuff is built in. It's not just pure sockets, right? Uh, there is HTTP. Not uh, I'm not sure how. Uh, there is limits to how much you can put on embedded system. Sure. So the latest last version added HTTP support for the, client. To the core, and it include uh, supports SSL. So any, if you want to take it one step up, you can. But then you would have to code that and uh, right. It sounds like it's got client support, but not no. There's no little IIS running in there or Cassini. No. Yeah. Yeah, we are talking about a framework that can run on a 300 kilobytes of RAM. Right. Yeah, but it, yeah, just looking at the .NET Micro Framework 4.0, there is a HTTP web request, HTTP web response, HTTP listener. So you can put together a little web service that runs on uh, the device. Yeah, so one, one little project that I thought I'll work on on the, on the next week, uh, since we are taking a week off work. 
Um, I want to make a little web server just for fun that right. runs on a on the small board, and I want to connect the uh, an infrared transmitter on the board and plug this into my uh, network at home. So what will the little server will host is a small page that has um, uh, a little page that has buttons on it, and then from these buttons I can control the IR transmitter. Now right. through my phone. I can open it up in a page and change the volume or change the station on my TV. Right, of course. And it, the trick here is figuring out the sensor set you need to be able to, you know, what is the IR device and how to send its signals. It, like, it's just that combination of things to figure out what to send and what to receive. Yes, correct. Now, what's great about this, we have this awesome community of hundreds of users who are in love with .NET Micro Framework and with sensors and robots and uh, all of the above. And uh, they are on tinyclr.com. That's the website. And if you go there on the forum and you just type, a, type any question about any sensor you can think of, and you'll have plenty of answers. People there are very, very friendly and very helpful. Yeah, you just keep leading us to cooler and cooler sites here, guys. Like, now we're getting into <laughs> TinyCLR has a lot of robotics on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. TinyCLR. We, GHI, uh, there's so many things I want to talk about. Maybe we should have another meeting, but um, <laughs> there's. No, let's there's, go for it. <laughs> there's two websites. There's ghielectronics.com. This is the main website where we work with big companies on uh, solving their commercial needs. And we have this tinyclr.com. This is the community website that has the smaller boards that are targeted for hobbyists. The documentation are targeted for hobbyists. Right. And on, to on top of all this, we saw that users are contributing more and more source codes and examples. So we thought, well, let's create a whole website just for them to drop in their uh, ex uh, example source code. Like you, our example here, I'm not sure how to control an IR transmitter to change the station on my TV. Maybe somebody out there has done the work already. So we have this website called feather.com and it's mainly, it's targeted for sh sharing source code and it's full of open source uh, code snippets and drivers for all kinds of sensors. So now you just got to go out, search for the kind of sensor you're looking for. That's awesome. And and go nuts. Yeah, there's over, the website is fairly new couple weeks old, and we already have over 150 different drivers on the website. Awesome. Now, can you use VBNet with this, with a uh -huh. micro-framework? Yes, you can, but not today. Docket <laughs> um, uh, uh, micro-framework has a full CLR. So, not a full, it's a tiny CLR, but it is a CLR. So, theoretically, you can take any language right. and compile it and run it on .NET Micro Framework. As of today, officially, it's C-sharp. And VB will probably be the next, since we are seeing more and more requests, so and we are seeing more hobbyists getting into .NET Micro Framework, and they are asking for VB. So so this is a .NET Micro Framework limitation, not a GHI limitation? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, so what, what needs to be done is when, when it gets to a point where there is a... VB uh, support on Visual Studio, then you can create a VB project, compile that, and load it on any .NET Micro Framework device, including GHI. Wow. 
Actually, I've done some work myself uh, where what I did was compile a DLL in VB and use that DLL in C Sharp. And now I was able to to use C Sharp, the official support, as a base. But from there, I was able to link the DLL that was compiled that was written in VB, and then I can use VB, but not. Not main, not the main method. I have have set that in C sharp, but from there I can jump into into any VB code. So where do I find the sensors? Uh, TinyCLRs.com. That's a community website we have. It has many many sensors, and if you don't have, if there's a sensor you need that it's not available there, like I said, the community and even uh, developers from DHI are also monitoring the forum. If you post a question on a sensor and you're not sure what sensor you need, the guys out there will either point you out to the right sensor or they'll point you out to where to get the sensor and even how to connect it. Right. Wow. Although when I look at the hardware in Tiny CLR, it's all machines. It's not the sensors for the machines. Uh, when you look at Tiny CLR, there are sensors. If you go to, to any of the uh, we all the boards, we, they start with FEZ. Um, FEZ stands for fun and easy. So if right. you go to any of the sensors, let's say it says Domino, if you scroll down, you see many, many sensors. This is actually multiple oh, yeah. pages, so you can go to the next and next, next page. Um, I see Fez Relay, MP3 decoder extension, a GPS extension, an accelerometer extension, RFID reader, and there's pages of these things. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at Fez, what am I looking at? Rhino, Fez Rhino? So Fez stands for freaking easy. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we changed that to fun and easy. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. Freaking easy yeah. is great. Yeah, we were talking, actually, we, last year we were thinking when we started this website, what are we going to name this new product line? And we were throwing ideas back and forth, and somebody said, this is freaking easy. I'm not sure <laughs> you named this. And then we said, oh, it's freaking easy. So, that's easy. <laughs> and it, that, you, it's funny when those names just stick. Yeah. Like, that's the one. Yeah, look at the list of Blue sensors. Blue LED, IO40 expansion, easy remote, uh, using infrared light. There's a remote, um, 38K infrared receiver, a light sensor. Relay board, serial LCD, Wii controller interface, a Wii oh, controller great, uh, interface. Controller because it has an accelerometer bucks. built right into the Wii uh, controller and plenty of buttons, analog and digital buttons. So connecting those, you can do so much with the Wii controller. All right, I got to read the list because people are going to freak out here. Metal detector, button, a big button. <laughs> I love it. Just a button. <laughs> I want a butt. I'm. You know how e how hard it is to just find a programmable button out there. Yeah. All right. A piezo speaker, a reflective sensor. What's that? Sensor emits an invisible infrared light and then measures it back to see if the light is reflecting. That's that's how the connect works, Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a three wire cable, a thermometer, a serial server motor controller, and these are you know forty bucks top some of them are 10 bucks some are 15 bucks xb expansion xbee x capital b i don't know what that is a dc motor driver a distance detector uh color lcd extension car adapter usb power supply um uh what else do we have here bluetooth interface 
uh, battery holder, servo motor. Some of these are just components, right? A breakaway. Yeah, some components help you out, like wires, headers, different things that um, help in different projects that you could be creating. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. And that's just for... Yeah, we even... Uh, can you go to Hardware Fez Mini page? Yeah. Okay. If you go to see the third product down, it's a, the Fez Mini robot. Yeah. So it's a full robot that comes in pieces, and you can construct that over uh, Christmas break, and you have a robot for your kids running that nut. Huh. 150 bucks. And then, yeah, <laughs> and that's, then you just add sensors from there. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, this robot had a little flag on top saying, I am running .NET. <laughs> and I was dancing around in PDC 2009. <laughs> <laughs> so f there's a little monkey that says, did you know Fez supports runtime debugging? How is that different from Visual Studio debugging? Okay, this is actually for those who are used to program on a very low level. They were not able to debug. This is this does not apply to .NET developers. Okay. .NET developers have this coming easy for them. They always can step in code, views, inspect variables, right. do all kind of different things to help them develop. Now, deep embedded developers, they must have very expensive tools, or they would not be able to to debug. What we what we did to back in the days when we uh, did low level programming is basically. Turn an LED on if something happens. This is how we debug that something is working. Then an LED is a little light, by the way, if somebody doesn't know. So we, we see an LED is on. This is, this is how we know it's working or it's blinking or, or maybe connect a small display and print things to the display just so we know why the software is crashing, what happened. We didn't have debugging. Okay. Now with .NET Micro Framework, you have all this capability built right in. You hit F5 on Visual Studio, it deploys the software right on the board over USB, and while the software is running on USB, you can set encode, you can stop the, ex the program, you can inspect variables, do all the above. Awesome. So that's really not for us. That's for those people who aren't used to it. Yes, this is, this is something new. Do you find, yeah, do you find that there's a lot of non.NET developers that are getting into C-sharp programming because of this? Like, oh, do you yeah. find a lot of I beginner think, developers? I think, personally, I think there is more users coming from deep and uh, deep development to .NET because of .NET Micro Framework. Okay. You are, if you are a .NET developer, you're usually programming on a PC, or you don't think about programming little devices. And if you did, you're pro probably programming your smartphone using C Sharp. So you really don't need that this small device, or you don't think this small device exists, so you don't go out there and look for it. Now, for developers that are used to use bare microcontrollers, developing is extremely difficult. Like I was saying earlier, how do you create a file if you're using a basic microcontroller? This is a nightmare. Right. This is hundreds and hundreds of lines of code to do something extremely simple. Now, with .NET Micro Framework, this is already built in. Now you are programming little devices the same way you would program smart devices. Okay. Um, we there is also a wiki that would be very helpful for users interesting to learn more about .NET Micro Framework. Okay. Uh, we named the wiki website microframeworkproject.com. 
So Great. the wiki is basically open for the community. Anybody can go in there and edit, add projects, move projects. And you would see tons and tons of projects out there with, with videos. Okay. Well, that's cool. So how long, um, how long have you been doing this, this uh, with GHI? And what were you doing before you worked there? Uh, before GHI, um, I've always been embedded system developer. Before GHI, I was working on a automotive devices, uh, developing uh, handheld um, test equipment for automotive. And then uh, we started DHI, and we had this idea that we want to create. I found these challenges that I was talking about earlier, how as an, a deep embedded developer, it's extremely difficult to do uh, a lot of things on the embedded side. Yeah. So we had this idea of creating these modules that are easier uh, to use. They are hardware and software. There are plenty of modules out there, hardware modules, but and there's plenty of software, but it's not easy to find a combination. So we had this idea of let's start a a business where we offer developers hardware and software package that gets them going with whatever they want to do. And this is where we always try to create pro uh, devices that are very generic. They are not targeted for one company or one need. We try to add as many features as we can. We have to we try to test everything, of course, make, make sure everything is professionally added. Now, a user out there needing file system, we support that. Somebody needing networking, we support that. Wi-Fi or wired or even PPP if you need to use cell phone uh, network. We also support that. That's awesome. Well, Gus, um, man, it's been awesome. Uh, this is great stuff. And, you know... After Christmas, and and uh, I have a few extra dollars lying around, I'm definitely going to uh, get into this. So, Richard, I'm going to apologize in advance because uh, I'm going to be busy with my GHI devices and uh, probably won't have time to, to hang out as much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear more after you try it. I, I always love hearing these stories from... Users who yeah. are coming from either world, from .NET world or from deep embedded world, and they're trying .NET micro framework. I love to hear what you, uh, what your opinion would be. I'd also like to apologize in advance to my girlfriend. Honey, I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> I'm going to be busy for a while. <laughs> All right, Gus. Thank you so much. You're, you're very welcome. All well, right. one thing to get you started before you purchase anything. Okay. Or do anything. There is a free ebook for you, uh, and it's uh, right there on the website. And um, I wrote this book, and that was a gift to the community. I basically took the knowledge from everybody at GHI, knowledge from the community, combined that thanks to everyone at GHI and the community for helping me, and combined that into one book that takes you from the very beginning. Even the book was even made so even if you were not .NET developer, you would be able use the book it even teaches c sharp to an extent so it takes you from a to z so this is a good place to start okay so if you go to the downloads tab you can you'll see it there there's a pdf file yes all right great beginner's guide to netmf and netmf products comparison thanks very much and we'll see you next time on .NET rocks
Dotnet Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. Dotnet Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter van.